This is TK331, a Star Wars EU slash Legends podcast. I'm Crystal, a Star Wars enthusiast, but I've never read a thing I liked that I couldn't complain about a little bit. And I'm Thomas, a Star Wars completionist who has previously read the entirety of the EU. Oh, we've done it. It's been two years. It has been. So what are we reading for our two-year anniversary? Nothing specific. What? We can do that? Why are you so surprised? You're the one who wrote the outline. (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers. How is that a spoiler? (laughs) You don't know what you're talking about. No. Today, as usual, on our anniversary episodes, which I feel like I'm allowed to say as usual now because this is the second one. Is two really as usual? I think the third and fourth is really where you can say that. I don't know if I'm going to survive to the third and fourth. (laughs) Oh. We're talking about the material that we've covered over the last year. The good, the bad, and the ugly, and the heinous, and the offensive. I know. (laughs) And everything in between. Well, let's start out with, what did you like from this past year? So there were a few things that I did like from the last year. I liked Jedi Search when we read it. At the time, I thought it had potential, even though there were definitely a few hiccups in there that I wasn't Mm -hmm. thrilled about. I Jedi was a lot of fun. Again, not like exactly to my tastes. First person's ever going to be your cup of tea, is what it comes down to, I think. But but the funny thing is, there's something that's like probably in my like top five fiction of all time that is first person. I mean, there's the exception to every rule. Yeah. Murderbot, of course, is what you're talking about. Yes, of course, Murderbot is what I'm talking about. (laughs) You want some good sci fi. It is a great series. And you want to give up on Star Wars? No. Just go read Murderbot. I mean, it's a nice little break because most of them are novellas. The one that's coming out this year in 2023 is going to be a full novel. Oh, is it? Yes. I didn't realize that. Yes. Too exciting. I'm so excited. Okay, we're not talking about Murderbot. I need a different podcast for that. But anyway, like, I can definitely like well-executed first-person stories. The thing that I liked about I, Jedi was definitely not that it was written in first person. It was just that Corrin's adventure was a lot of fun for me. I think I said it at the time. I would have preferred that it was written in third person because I didn't think first person added anything to it. I liked Children of the Jedi. Wow. I can't say that I would reread it. Yeah. <laughs> However, there were elements of it that I was intrigued by. Okay. Let's say. I liked the whole ghost in the ship situation. I didn't I didn't particularly care for the whole plotline that was happening on Belsavis. Like I've pretty much forgotten most of what happened there. <laughs> but like Luke wandering around the eye of Palpatine in his broken body <laughs> seeing ghosts, like I don't know. It was it was very meandering and again the style was not to my taste, but there was an element there that was intriguing for me. I feel like the high point was probably Starfighters of Adramar. Mm-hmm. That was like, I think of this list, the closest that I get to like both a writing style and a story structure that I like and mm-hmm. that is like most pleasing to me, I guess. I figured out kind of recently and it took me by surprise because I didn't think that this was true about myself. But uh, to some extent, I really am a plot reader. Like, I want to know what happens next. I used to think that I was much more of a character reader, like that I could read anything as long as the characters were interesting. But that doesn't compel me as much as a plot that moves along. And like whatever else you say about Starfighters of Adumar, that plot moves. It It is brisk. (laughs) Do you think that's something that's changed in the last several years? I think so, actually. Like back in the day, thinking back to like, say, your, dra- your heavy Dragon Age phase of a decade ago, I would argue the characters were the bigger motivator. Yeah, and I also think this is somewhat reflective of the difference between what I like in fan fiction versus what I like in original fiction. Because when I go looking for fan fiction to read, it's usually about wanting to see more of those characters, and the fan fiction doesn't have to have a very heavy plot. But in a piece of original fiction especially one with such a big universe yeah where like i don't necessarily know the characters super well or like i know them too well you could argue that about han luke and leia at this point i know so much more about them than i ever wanted to know (laughs) there was a time in the podcast when you were missing them (laughs) i know and now i'm like put them back in the toy box nobody touch these characters (laughs) i'm tired of it 
No, the thing that made me really realize this was in the last couple of years, I read these books by Becky Chambers. The first one in the series that I'm thinking of is called The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. I remember you reading this, yes. Really good and interesting sci-fi, but Becky Chambers is not a plot writer. You could call her stuff, I mean, I I really, I'm not trying to be offensive by saying this. It's not an insult. It just is what it is. It's like soft sci-fi. Like, there's not a lot of conflict in the stuff that she writes. And I kept reading her stuff and thinking to myself, like, man, there's so much here that I feel like I should really like. Like, there are really compelling characters. There are really interesting aliens. There are new pieces of technology that are really fascinating to me. But the stakes are in the basement. Like, this is a (laughs) low-conflict setting. And sometimes Um, that can be a really nice thing to read. Yeah, sometimes, you know, if I'm in the right mindset for it still, I will still go for that stuff. I read Legends and Lattes recently, which is like the epitome of low conflict. (laughs) Though it had more conflict in it than I was expecting, I will just say. (laughs) But still, really low, low stakes. I will still go for that stuff if I'm in a space where I need that. But for the most part, I, I really like a strong plot that is central and has a lot of moving parts and it's intricate and i'm not necessarily saying that starfighters of adumar had an intricate plot but like it was a plot that progressed the stakes felt real to me especially for wedge in particular and then two there were two short stories that i really liked drawing the maps of peace might actually be the top of this list now that i'm thinking about it it was a very good story yeah, I really like that story. And I like the boy and his monster. I felt like I had to admit to this just because it's written by Anderson. Anderson, And I basically don't like anything else that he's written. Fair enough. What about you? What did you like? Please don't tell me it's the whole list. It's not. Because I can't live with that. I mean, I agree with all the ones that you said. The only one I take off is Children of the Jedi. <laughs> I wouldn't put that Fair. on my dislikes, but I might. Um, but, you know, I love I, Jedi. I do think the first half is stronger than the second half. I think Korn's Tom on Yavin 4 is just utterly fantastic, incredibly compelling. It fills in a lot of gaps from the Jedi Academy trilogy, some that were very obvious. And frankly, I think some of you didn't even think about that were there until you saw stuff from Korn's perspective. So I think that was great. His stuff later on with the pirates wasn't as good, but I still enjoyed it for the most part, especially when Luke shows up. And I also, of course, love Troll Korn. That is one of the favorite <laughs> things in that book. I love Adamar. I think it's my least favorite indexing books, but I still think it's a. Re- it's I do think it's my favorite Wedge book. Yeah, Wedge is fantastic in that book, and him ending up with Ayala was very satisfying. I I very much enjoyed that. Just the breakup scene alone at the beginning of that book was nourishing for my soul. <laughs> You're gonna hate me for saying this. I do still like Dark Empire. I recognize the flaws that it has, but as my introduction to the EU. There's complete nostalgia blinders on. A part of me will always love this story. I just feel that it's an understatement to call them flaws. They're chasms. They're craters. <laughs> I do think it, from Dark Empire to Dark Empire 2 and then to Empire's End, I do think each one is subsequently weaker than the previous one, though. I do think Dark Empire is the high point of those three stories. Basement tier for me. <laughs> I also agree that I very much like Jedi Search. Uh, I think my biggest complaint at the time was there was so much setup and not of payoff in the book. I know it's the first book of a trilogy, but I think that's that's always a problem with certain uh, long-form storytelling. There's not a payoff in the beginning. And I think that was the, that book's biggest flaw to me. Yeah. I also did like Champions of the Force. I think Dark Apprentice was the weak point of the three books. And I know some parts of that book I would change that would make me like it. Maybe not significantly better, but certainly make it like it better. The look I'm getting right now, listener. Oh my god. I just, I knew that this was going to happen, and still, like, hearing you say it, it's like somebody stabbing icicles into my soul. <laughs> and I completely agree on the two short stories you mentioned. I would also throw in One Last Night, Most Has the Cantina. I really loved that. Because that one just makes you so emotional. It does. <laughs> okay? It does. It gets all of your feels. We also, of course, read Soup Song. <laughs> that was this past year. I, I, I know. Neither I mean, of us liked it, but I have to mention it because... It's very memorable. Oh my, yes. 
I would say it's certainly the most memorable short story we've read. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, probably. It's the most memorable Star Wars story we've read. No. Okay. But certainly the most memorable short story. Thrawn Trilogy is most memorable. Fair enough. <laughs> and then, I, I mean, we do still just occasionally look at each other and say, Soup. <laughs> and I do have to say this, because this isn't a great book, but I enjoy it for what it is. The first Galaxy of Red book, Eaten Alive, we did start reading that series this year on Halloween. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's not groundbreaking literature or anything. It's a children's book, but it's it's fun for what it is. Hey, besides Star Wars, all I've been reading recently is children's books. <laughs> I'm like 19 books deep in the Animorph series. I finally succeeded. <laughs> I never read these as a child. I completely missed the boat because I found the covers extremely off-putting. And now... Still do. Whew, I still find them off-putting, but I am very deep in the Animorphs hole. <laughs> it's a weird place to be. Yeah, Galaxy, like, now looking back on it, Galaxy of Fear reminds me of those. Yeah. Like Written in a... I'm trying to think. Similar time frame. I don't remember which one was first. I mean, similar era. Yeah, I would mid to say. late 90s children's literature. Galaxy of Fear leads more into the horror than Animorphs horror, quote-unquote. Oh my god, Animorphs is absolutely horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Galaxy of Fear is more jump-scare horror. Yeah. Animorphs is more... Every chapter. Life horror? Is that a good way to describe it? War horror. Yeah, war horror. Oh, you wait till yeah, the one I read. I know, night. I've barely scratched the surface, and yet I'm already like, oh my god, these children are going to need so much therapy. Yes, they will. And no one's gonna be equipped to give them that therapy because their experience is completely unique. <laughs> Maybe an Andalite? Maybe, but even an Andalite can't really like think about, you know, the human trauma response. There. Versus an Andalite trauma. Anyway, oh my god. In the weeds. <laughs> Anything else that you liked? Hey, at least you didn't say Darksaber. There are parts of the book I like, but there are parts of the both of us like. I know, but it would never go on my list of likes because those parts do not outweigh the bad parts. <laughs> That's fair. So speaking of the bad, <clears throat> you already gave us a brief... Preview? Yes. What did you not like from this past year? Dark Empire. <laughs> Put it in the garbage. Was there... <laughs> so Stark Empire, Dark Empire 2, and Empire's End, was there any change at all to the three? They're all um, same level of bad. Same. Okay. Same, same. <laughs> all right. Same, same, but different. Put them in the shredder. <laughs> Burn every copy. I'm being too harsh. It's fine if you like Dark Empire. Unless you're married to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine for everyone else. I really wish that Tom didn't like Dark Empire. <laughs> But at least he can say that he knows that he has the nostalgia goggles on. <laughs> I use the word blinders. Actually. Blinders. Blinders is even better. Yeah, I, I feel like I did a thorough evisceration during those episodes, so I'm just not going to go back to it. Dark Apprentice and Champions of the Force is on my dislike list. Like, as much as Jedi Search spent time setting up a bunch of stuff that I thought was going to be interesting, both of those follow-ups absolutely failed to culminate in anything interesting to me. <laughs> and just some truly terrible teaching strategies by Luke Skywalker, some incredibly bad leadership decisions by Leia, just not books that made me like anyone in the original trio at all, except for Han. Poor Han stuck on Castle. Anderson wrote Han pretty well. Yeah. But he also didn't give him anything particularly important to do. Especially after Jedi Search. Yeah. Like, that was the time he spent with the most with Han. In Champions of the Force, he was trying to track down Kip, but still, it wasn't a ton there. Yeah. As evidenced by the fact that we had to cut away every yeah. tiny sliver of a scene just to draw that out a little bit more. That alone could have been really interesting if Han had been able to reach Kip in a way that Luke couldn't, just because they had more of a bond. However, like, I sound like a broken record, but Exar Kun having some kind of, like, puppeteering strings, quite literally, in Kip that were just magically severed when he died. Boring. Uninteresting. Hate that interpretation of the dark side. Hate that interpretation of dark side users. Moving on. Darksaber. Loved every page the dollar was on. <laughs> Inexplicably hated everything else. <laughs> Planet of Twilight. Boring. Boring and bugs. Yeah. Why are there so many bugs in space? Hate it. <laughs> I guess as a summary, there was not really anything 
this year that I absolutely loved. Like, I could maybe say that about drawing the maps of peace, but because it's a short story, it's still, it just doesn't get the same weight for yeah. me. But man, there was a lot that I had just hated. <laughs> like, this year really tested my love of Star Wars. Sorry. <laughs> it diminished. I did warn you the second year is going to be worse than the first. You did. And I should have taken that seriously because if you are saying that it's going to be worse. I know it'd be worse for you, specifically. Then that means that I need to multiply that warning by about, like, ten. Like, I, and I just didn't... I don't think anything could have prepared me for how much I disliked some of the stuff <laughs> this year. What about you? I mean, I know, as discussed earlier, you can be entertained by a hoop and two sticks, but surely there was stuff in this list that you didn't like. <laughs> so, like I already mentioned, I wasn't a big fan of Empire's End for a lot of reasons. The biggest one to me is how rushed it was. Mm. Like, give it six issues, maybe I like as much as Dark Empire 2, but it was such a rushed conclusion. There was a lot going on behind the scenes, clearly, that just, it didn't work out. Also, like I already said, I wasn't a big fan of Dark Apprentice. Cut the twins going into the Coruscant Depth storyline. Cut the Han and Endo trading the Falcon back and forth storyline. Oh, Add in more that. stuff, better stuff on Yavin 4 in their place. And that, I'm going to like that book a lot more, frankly. Children of the Jedi was on your likes list. It's on my dislikes list. I'm just not a fan of Hamley's writing styles, what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. I, I do think of, of her two books, this one had the most potential. I really dig the bones of this book. Just the execution did not work for me. Yeah. I agree. I, I thought Luke being a beaten up man was a very good idea. But him wandering around this book for half of it, just looking for his students and getting absolutely nowhere drove me insane. <laughs> I, I do think she got Luke's characterization down really well in this book. I just didn't like the book that much. Yeah. Now, Plan of Twilight, it's interesting. She, the character of Luke, so much worse than that book. And that book, that that's my least favorite of the year we read. And it it might be my least favorite Star Wars book outside of the Jedi Prince series because of the two reasons. One is bad, but a lot of books are bad. But it makes the card of not just being bad, but also boring. Yeah. If you're bad and boring, there's not a lot going for it. And then throw in the disgusting bugs. And <laughs> I just don't like the book. It's what it comes down to. It definitely could, like, her writing style affects how boring the book is. Yes. That, that, could, that should have been at least a terrifying book and a disgusting book at the same time. And I had some level of disgust at times, but not what I should have, I feel like. And yeah. the terror, other than the few opening pages, was very brief. Yeah. Wasn't a big fan of Darksaber either, but I do have to give Anderson credit for the dollar redemption to her. She was very inept in the Jedi Academy trilogy. Purposely so, I think. She was supposed to match the level of other Imperials of that time that we saw later on. And then in Darksaber, she comes back with a vengeance. So I love that for her in Darksaber. Unfortunately, the Durga part, which is the, I think, the dominant villain storyline. Well, not, I mean, that's what the book evil. is named yeah, for. It's named Darksaber. Ugh, so bad. Killing Six <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. It's Come like, on! It's like clickbait. Yeah, a little bit. Like, oh, look at this cool title. Come inside. See what's here. Nothing. There's nothing here. And then I have to bring it up. The book we just published a couple days ago, The Crystal Star. <laughs> Unlike Dark Apprentice. The children's storyline was the best part of it, far and away. Other than that, though, it didn't have a lot going for it. <laughs> Waru, uh, it kills me. Waru could have been so cool, and uh, he wasn't. This one didn't make either of my lists, you may have noticed. Didn't hate it, didn't love it, didn't really like it, didn't really dislike it. It was just, like, the first 50% of it, I was... You were pretty hooked. Into, and then the last 50% of it, and I feel like you can even tell in the episode as we get into the back half of the book that I'm, like, less than enthused that yeah. we're there. <laughs> so, like, I feel like Crystal Star ended up being a net zero for me. <laughs> so, in our second year of the podcast, what was the biggest surprise to you? This is hard to answer, because with every fresh insult... So the canon that I love, <laughs> I felt as if I could not ever be surprised again. You know, mm -hmm. like at some point you start feeling like, okay, I see I'm, I'm digging like beyond the basement at this point. So like, it's just not going to get better. 
Some surprises, though, based on my limited and sketchy understanding of what I thought the EU was before getting to this point. Because I honestly don't think that I read most of this catalog ever before. As we discussed, I think you had the Jedi Academy trilogy, but we don't think you read it. I have, if I read it, I have absolutely no memory of it. Which sounds, I was about to say very unlike me, except that we recently had an incident where you and I remember the exact same thing in very, very different ways. (laughs) And there's corroborating evidence on your side and not on mine. So I absolutely could have read these and just not remember them. And if it was like when you were 10 years old, and you only read them the one time, and it didn't stick with you, very believable to not remember it. Yeah. So, like, I went, regardless of that, clearly, whether I read them or not, I went into this section of the EU very blind to, like, what it contained at all. So one of my biggest surprises is how long the Empire has held on. Years at this point after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So, like, I think, like, a decade. Like, we're coming up on, like, Mm -hmm. 10 years post-Episode 6, and the Empire is still... They're not the force they once were, but... No, but, like, they're still pretty much always the antagonists. Some version of them. Here's a question for you. Under Disney, the Empire is done within a year after Return of the Jedi with the Aftermath trilogy. No, they just get (laughs) rebranded. Eventually. But the the Empire itself was defeated at the Battle of Jakku, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that was the right way? Is this the right way, or should it have been something a little more in the middle? Not quite so short, but not so long either. I don't think either did it right. So something more in the middle? So I could believe something like the Battle of Jakku happening, and most of the Empire being wiped at that point, and some survivors limping away to cause like a little bit of mayhem Which is later. essentially what happens under Disney, yeah. Yeah, except that... In that version of canon, like, a bunch of them escaped to do their, you know, reimagining of their brand as the First Order. And then it's just, you know, the First Order is just the Empire. Yeah. Like, practically a more boring version of the Empire, I would argue. Because they're not, they don't scare me as much as the Empire did. I thought Hawks was pretty scary in Force Awakens. No. No? He scares me in a way that's too close to reality. Okay. I'm not saying that that's never like the right move necessarily just that I don't know. It it felt like it had all it had all been done before. Like they just have a bigger laser. <laughs> it's a bigger housing for the laser. Part galaxy gun, part death star. Yeah. I'm not saying that I wanted to ha- wanted the empire to hang on for a specified length of time. I would have been fine with factions of them popping up every now and then periodically for the next for example yeah for the next i don't know i mean we're talking on scales that it's hard for us to even really imagine right like this this galaxy is enormous the the empire's adherence all of it despite what it felt like in the movies but still the empire's adherence must have been vast Mm -hmm. same for the republic and the rebellion so i can see skirmishes popping up here and there you know, each side wearing each other down more and more. It's clear that the Empire is going to, you know, like they've suffered this huge, enormous defeat and they're probably not going to make a resurgence. I could have dealt with a few stories, though, being that, like, revisitation of these Imperial factions. What I hate is that it's every story. Like, I'm trying to think of a full-length novel we read during this time where the empire was not at least involved as an antagonist i well so it kind of depends there's a couple examples i can think of first one is starfires of Audemar, where they were an antagonist but a very different kind of antagonist and not the own not even the primary one they're just they're involved like they're always involved the other one is i jedi where it's the pirate queen i guess but at the same time, form Corrin... off. So there's still that connection. But at least that, that's more to what you were saying of a, a fragment or a fringe of the Empire breaking off and that being dealt with. Sure. I was really thinking of more like Isard or Zinge when I said yeah. that. Not someone who doesn't even claim to be an Imperial anymore. Yeah. But even with I Jedi, Corrin is on Yavin 4 
for a time, and the assumed antagonist for that group is eventually the Empire. Yeah. And then the other one to point to is Darksaber, where there are two villains, one Imperial, one non-Imperial. And by that time, I was like, man, I'm sick of having the Empire be the antagonist, but Dala is way more interesting than Durga and his fake Imperial pet. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that, that's been surprising to me, just that it has lasted so long. The other thing that's been surprising has been the 90s perspective on what it takes to be a Jedi and how long it takes to become one. I mean, they really only have the movies to base off of, and Luke trained with Yoda for how long? <laughs> Unclear? I just... I think it's a it's a matter of months, at most. Yeah, at right? most. It could be weeks, honestly. It depends on how long Han and Leia take to get to Bespin. And as we all know, hyperspace is as long as you want it to be. <laughs> right? and they don't even go in hyperspace. Sublight. Yeah. Sublight is as long as you want it to be. However, like, there are clues in the text, the text of the movies, about what it in ideal circumstances would have taken to become a Jedi. Yoda complains that Luke is too old, Mm -hmm. too old to begin the training, which implies that you need a lot of time to become a Jedi. Yes. And yet Luke is like coronating people from his Academy after a year. Yeah. I think that's, I I don't blame him for getting older students because he has to take what he can get, but I do think, and he he should not be teaching children, but he is rushing the, the coronation, yes, I agree. <laughs> I think that there's a a business reason why there's not the level of detail that I crave in this area. Because if it was me in the 90s, what I would have wanted to see a lot more of is stuff like Luke finding the Chuanthor and mm-hmm. studying all of that stuff and like collating it and trying to come up with like a training program and being much more thoughtful about like what people should do to be jedi and i just wonder if like either everyone was afraid to infringe on lucas's ip basically or he told them not to or he told them not to like and so we're left with this vague miasma i do think also it might be a preference like some want to dig into that some don't i think one who wants to dig in that is stackpole thinking to i jedi when he has corn going through that book like how to build a lightsaber there is the typical Jedi way of it was like weeks or months at a time. And then during the Clone Wars, they found a way to do it in a few days. Like that kind of thing. In case of emergency. Basically. <laughs> so I, I think at least for some authors, I think him, I'm betting Zahn is another one. They really are thoughtful about that kind of stuff, but just didn't go too far into it. Probably because they were told not to is my best guess. Yeah. But I don't know for sure. I don't know. I guess the other thing I could see is that like they knew that he was going to make more movies eventually. And they knew that it was going to be of the era where Jedi were actually trained, quote unquote, properly. We can argue all day long about whether (laughs) or not that was the proper method of training Jedi. And so they felt like, well, what's the point of writing some deep lore that George is definitely just going to ignore bulldoze over later? Like he does not consider the books canon. He picks and chooses what he he took Coruscant from what Zon did. But there are other things that, in the next book, um, we're gonna that you haven't read yet. There are a few lines of dialogue that, in modern day, are painful to read because of how poorly it matches up with the prequels. Yeah, but, I mean, there's some of that even in the Thrawn trilogy. Oh yes, like, there absolutely, especially is. the stuff with the clones. Oh yeah, big time. Excruciating. But th- this was even more painful for me than the clone stuff was. Okay, I haven't read it yet. I've been putting it off. <laughs> but the um. At the time, it was, I remember as a kid reading, I was, I was really interested. In it. I was like, oh, because I, I want to know this kind of stuff. Because you would have read this before. Yeah. Well before. See, it's so, like, part of the reason that, like, I bring this up as being surprising to me is that I saw the prequels first. Not all of them, but I saw at least episode one, maybe episode one and two. I can't quite remember where in there I watched the original trilogy. So I, like, my first introduction to Star Wars really was already knowing what the Jedi Order looks like at its pinnacle. Not really its pinnacle, but, like, at a time where the training of Jedi was streamlined and normalized. Yeah. And so this all looks like absolute shenanigans to me. 
because <laughs> I had like that's my foundational understanding of the universe. But so it, like it's always really interesting to me to think that you were reading these books before the prequel trilogy. Yeah, I, I think there's a strong argument to be made if you're showing someone Star Wars the first time, you start with the originals and then do the prequels. But today you're never going to so, say, okay, watch the originals, read these books, and then watch the prequels. That's that's a unique experience that for kids of the 90s had, and no one else probably ever will. Random weirdos. Sure. Weren't you listening to a podcast recently? Yes. Where someone's kid was going to experience Order 66 for the first time in Clone Wars, the animated series? Yes. That's yeah. see, that's absolutely bonkers to me. It is to me. Like, what a great way to experience Order sixty six for the first time, for sure. Probably the best way to experience it, but very bizarre. <laughs> I'll say. So you wouldn't have been surprised by any of these things, nope. but do you have any new perspective on old books? I think I do. I think even though it was on my dislike list, I actually have a greater appreciation for Children of the Jedi than I ever have in the past. Uh, again, because there's a lot of good bones there. And I'm kind of sad that it's not a book I enjoy more. But I, I think that book I do have a great appreciation for. And also, weirdly enough, I think The Crystal Star as well. Huh. Again, primarily because of the kid's storyline. I've always kind of liked that, but this time I really enjoyed it. And maybe it's because we have a nephew who is not that much younger than Jason and Jaina are in that book. Mm. So maybe, it maybe it's a little closer to home. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's why it was so much more effective for me than it is before. Maybe it's another reason I don't know, but that part of the book I just really liked a lot. It was also interesting listening to you absolutely hate Dark Empire. <laughs> I knew you were going to. Was it really interesting or was it painful for you? Both. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to. Um, just I know you pretty well most of the time. Yeah, you know what I like and don't like in fiction. When, when I told you it was going to be a rougher year, I was thinking Dark Empire primarily. And the Callisto Chronicles and Crystal Star. <laughs> the one that surprised me that you didn't like was the Jedi Academy trilogy. Yep. <laughs> that that was the moment I was like, I was hoping that was going to be the savior for you this year. Nope. <laughs> it didn't. And that's another one where I definitely have nostalgia binders as well. So viewing it from your perspective, I do see the issues you have with the series. And I agree with a lot of the issues. I still like the series as a whole, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've long thought that even before we had, like, I remember when I reread these books several years ago. Jedi Church was the best of the bunch. I thought that, you know, a decade ago, I think that's today. So that didn't change. I do think Dark Apprentice is definitely the weak point. And I just, you did make me think, oh, it is probably weaker than I, it's not because I can get credit for it, but I still enjoy it. It's still a very important book to the EU as a whole. I love reading the Goodreads reviews from people who have read these books like in modernity, like today, instead of in the 90s. And some of them have like, read them in the 90s and remembered really liking them and they come back to them today and they're like what is this garbage <laughs> this is terrible I, it makes me glad i've read them multiple times over the years so i <laughs> so you can bridge. maintain your nostalgia cocoon yes. around you like a terrible butterfly i can still see the flaws but yes i can still find the things i like <laughs> okay <laughs> so we've talked about the books we've liked and didn't like what let's talk characters what do you think were the best villains and worst villains of the past year I've got one that's on both lists. Dala? Dala. Yeah. But again, she was supposed to be bad. We were supposed to dislike her. And that's why her redemption, not, I has to use the word redemption, but that's why her redemption was so great in Darksaber, because she was at such a low level. I will say, to her credit, even during the Jedi Academy trilogy, I'm specifically remembering her assault on Mon Cala. Mm-hmm. She uses a flawed strategy for sure because she worships at the altar of Tarkin. <laughs> However, she does do a lot of damage. She does. She's she's, she's an, not completely incompetent. No, she's a effective villain when it comes to just the basics of I'm going to cause a lot of damage to you. She's very good at that. I feel like in that trilogy, she had enough potential to be a good villain that it opened me to the possibility of her being a good villain later. And indeed she was like my real complaint about (laughs) this is going to sound so incredibly petty and maybe like I'm a, a, an empire defender or something, probably not, but I don't like the way that she was defeated in dark saber. Really? Yeah. Um, Which part? 
The part where Paleon's entire fleet got thrown across space okay. by the Force, I don't like it because it felt unearned from the denizens of that academy. I didn't feel like any of them, including Dorsk 81 as like the channeler, had earned that kind of power. I mean, that is a that is an intense, massive... It is. At, at least there, the reason why it doesn't bother me is because there was a, a consequence to it. It wasn't just fine and dandy. The consequence does not fit the scale. No? To me. Okay. Especially because we do not know Dorsk 81 very well at the time that he makes his sacrifice. So I didn't like that she got swept by that because... Look, there's a part of me that's just an old curmudgeon (laughs) and doesn't like fun. So I want the force to have some more limitations. This is just an example of that. Like, I, I just can't even even Yoda, even though he, you know, contradicts Luke and says that, like, size matters not, etc. He still has to really work to get that X-wing out of the swamp. This feat that the, frankly, feral <laughs> Jedi trainees of Yavin 4 pull off feels, uh, I mean, I always complain about escalation in stories, right? Like, this is... The EU has that serious escalation problem, especially later in the EU. And this is a version of it on the good guys' side. It f- <laughs> Look, I hate the Empire. I don't think Dahl is any good for any long-term thing. I hate that this is how she got swept after her uh, revenge tour. At least that didn't defeat her. It still took close to blowing up the bomber bay and all that fun stuff. Yeah, but Paleon's fleet being out of the way... Is what allowed that to happen. Yes. Like, it ruined her whole plan. All because these dumb moon sorcerers... decided to swat Paleon out of the sky like they had a giant cosmic fly swatter. Great mental image. <sighs> Were there even any other villains that are worth mentioning? I'm really struggling to remember them. Well, let's go We had Palpatine Reborn, who you hate. Yeah, I don't know that guy. It always made sense to me, but I know you're not a fan. Yeah, it made sense to Veach, too. How do you feel being in league with him? We had Exar Kun, along with Dala. You weren't a big fan of him. Get him out of here. <laughs> In I, Jedi, we had the Pirate Queen. Get her out of here. Yeah, you weren't a fan of her. Hated her. <laughs> uh, In Children of the Jedi, we had... Uh, the kid. Yeah, the kid and his And mother. the weird Imperial Court lady. Yeah. Oh, this is the... Her name is... Raganda. Yep. And there's a player on the Anaheim Ducks whose name is... Pavel Regenda. Yep. And I always, Tom writes uh, blog posts for the Anaheim Ducks for some stuff. And every time I edit one of his posts and I read the name Regenda, I think that lady. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just imagining Regenda skating around the ice. He was actually one who I thought, so there were a couple of villains I thought who had a lot of potential this year. Eric. Eric was one of them. Because of his control and mastery of electronics with the Force, I thought that was a really interesting idea. Except it was a totally dumb idea. <laughs> well, the execution was... Lacking. So bad, which is unfortunately him with this issue. I actually got these great ideas, but the execution doesn't work. Like, I think you brought up that that whole process on R2 should never have worked. Yeah. Like, he's surely been rewired away from base schematics so many so times. Many times. I, I agree, that part didn't work, but just... The idea of someone who could control something like, like the other help team from so far away I thought was an interesting idea. And also someone who was trying to basically be molded as the next Vader. I thought was a... But, like, when you come down to it, they're just another Imperial faction. They are. And not the best one. <laughs> That's why I said they had the potential, but it fell flat. I also think XR Kuhn had potential. No. Alright. Well, sorry. That was too hasty. He had potential. He had potential. I think they should have considered a different name. I cringe every time I have to say XR's name. <laughs> Sorry. And he was... Just, he did not live up to his potential. Anyway. Darksaber. That is the Dollar Redemption tour, but also Dirk of the Huts. The Three Stooges. Yeah. And somehow they weren't the worst villains of the year. To me, that's Planet of Twilight. <laughs> the Drotch. Captain Drotch. Oh, God. What's Those his name? I've already forgotten. Yeah, I know. <laughs> me too. 
Seti Oshkod. I just re-listened to this episode. Seti Oshkod was the dude who had been alive for decades because the bug kept him alive. Uh huh. Dazim. Dazim. Like disease. It's because his name is spelled stupidly. Yeah. D Z Y M. And like, we have no idea. To me, those were the right? worst villains of the year. Bar none. Full stop. Okay. Get them out of here. <laughs> you sound like me. I know. I mean, fair. They could go in the garbage pile with all of the other villains. No, no. Below. <laughs> okay. They can go in the compost there pile. There you go. I mean, it's a bug, right? They can go in compost. Ugh, you're right. And then Crystal Star. Waru. Who's the villain? Is Waru the villain? No. He's a... I think the um, Arbiter of Justice of whatever is the villain. Justicar? It's not Something Justicar. Like no? No. I can't remember what his title is. His name's Hethrier. Yeah. He was, outside of Palpatine and Exarchoon, arguably the most evil villain just because of the child abuse he heaped on. <laughs> yeah, just because his of own his son order and of baby space Nazis. But he was so inept also. But he at least had a plan that would have worked if not for his son actually being a decent person. Like, if Anakin is eaten by Waru, he probably gets what he wants. I don't think Waru was ever going to give him what he wanted. Uh, there. I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't think he's a successful villain. No, he was not. His strategy was bad. Waru was an interesting creature slash monster and tweak how he was created just a little bit, and I, I would really <laughs> dig him. Nah. Part of the issue why this wasn't a great year, I feel like, for the podcast, is it wasn't a great year for the villains. Yeah. You don't have to have a great villain to have a great story, but God, does it help. Yeah. Because you need to feel... Stakes. Yeah, you need to feel threatened. <laughs> By the villain. And again, it doesn't have to be a great villain to truly threaten you. It can just be a villain that is an effective villain. And I honestly feel like Hethrier could have been the most competent villain ever. And just because he kidnapped those children, I would have instantly felt unthreatened by him. (laughs) Because everybody kidnaps those children. (laughs) Anyone can do it. And they always get out of it. It's not just... The, the villains, the plots, too, that don't really, like, do I them agree. any favors, but, yeah. So what authors did we like this year? Alston? Stackpole? Anderson at times? No? Really? You like Jedi Search? I guess. I guess Anderson at times. I hate to give him anything. <laughs> Whitman for Galaxy Fear? For what it is? Fine. It's fine. And then there's Hambly. I mean, obviously, I feel like this is... This has been said. Hambly and Anderson are like in the basement together. With for Veach? Me. Yeah, with. No, Veach is. <laughs> I can't say that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Veach is below the basement, let's say. Okay. Below the soil line. Ouch. Just in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, Hambly, she's got some really interesting ideas, but her execution combined with her writing style it just didn't work for me. And I feel like. I almost feel like they recruited her in this era of the 90s EU because they were like, we got, we got to try a bunch of different stuff. Like, we got to see what people like. And that's fair. Yeah. But, like, people didn't like this. <laughs> McIntyre was forgettable with Crystal Star. Yeah. Yeah. Also, and Sackville were the highlights for the, on the author front this year. And it was not either of their best books. No. I enjoyed both a lot, but it yeah. is not their best books. I honestly can't say that I would reread either of those books really yeah i would like what might for audemore just for a wedge and Ayala someday revisit that no nah. i dread i'm not surprised given the first person and frankly the length of that book it's a honker it's dense it i never imagined pages. that corin had so many <laughs> thoughts to rub around in his head although what's funny as we said despite the fact that it was 600 pages it was still a significantly faster and easier read than children oh yeah yeah and more compelling yeah I will. I guess, in fairness, I do not reread a lot of stuff these days. So when I say I wouldn't reread either of those books, it's not necessarily a condemnation of them. It's just I'm very picky about what I reread. I feel like you reread the Thrawn trilogy, and that's been it so far. Yeah, I think so. Well, I might get a hankering for the X-wing books. Okay. Obi Wan. You mean Kenobi? Yes. The book is just called Kenobi. I thought it was Kenobi. That's the show. Yes. What kind of Star Wars fan are you? Fake one. <laughs> See, this is why your opinions about Dark Empire don't matter. <laughs> maybe, but I've already read that twice. You have. Tadwin Ghost. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Let's talk about characters who were tackled by multiple different authors and who did who 
better and worse. Start with core trio, Han, Luke, and Leia. Like we said earlier, Anderson did a pretty good job with Han. Not so good with Luke. Not so good with Leia. Yeah. He had, I think he had moments of good with all three of them, but Han was the one he was consistent with. Again, he did not give Han any truly important choices to make or things to do. Well, I, I think that's actually true for most of these books. Yeah. Han, Han is very much the Poor tertiary Han. one of these three. And that's that's sad. Yeah. But some of them also really struggle to write Han. So it's not, like, even Anderson, the Han and Lando betting on the Falcon made perfect sense, but I still hated that storyline. Yeah. So Anderson did Han well-ish, but not so good in the other two. It didn't make perfect sense, by the way. Just thought right, not, it didn't make perfect sense. Just thought but I'd register my disapproval of that assessment. <laughs> I understood where he was coming from. Okay. Maybe the first two times. Yeah, not the 20th. I actually think of the authors, Stack will probably wrote Luke the best. And Luke was a, at best, secondary character in I, Jedi. Yeah. But because Korn forced Luke to confront the mistakes and issues that he had made, I very much appreciated that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, Jedi was written so much later than most of the other books were written, even though it comes out earlier in the timeline. So that impact isn't always there. No. Yeah. I, I do appreciate, I think it was in Shilla Jedi, Hamley got Luke very good in that book where he admits he made mistakes. Mm-hmm. He owns that he messed up. And I think she wrote him really well in that book. But then she just drops the ball from so badly in Planet of Twilight. Yep. He was written really badly in that book. And there was a point in Children of the Jedi where he went a little off the rails too. At the end, the yeah. End. I was willing to kind of go along with it just because of the you know, the sheer blood loss. <laughs> Combined with everything else, yeah. Yeah. For Leia, I don't know whose decision it was to make her chief of state. It's one you heartily disagree with. Yeah. And I think I've... Whether I, it was Anderson or somebody standing behind Anderson with a gun. I think that... I, I don't think it was done correctly. And then the first decision she makes as chief of state makes me want to vomit. Because it's not a good decision. It's embarrassing. I'm fine with her being chief of state, but I do agree she would be better as an ambassador. Some kind of official role like that. Be better for her character and who she is and what she does. I feel like Hambly does her fine in Children of the Jedi mm-hmm. and even in Planet of Twilight. The biggest issue with that is Leia being drugged out half the time, <laughs> but the character race I think is still mostly strong. Yeah, it's okay. She's terrible in Crystal Star, so McIntyre. Oh god, really dropped the ball. I, was that? I think that's probably the worst for Leia. Oh yeah, bar none. <laughs> Callista was tackled by both Hambly and Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I think we're both in agreement with this. Callista's best book is Children of Jedi. Yeah. Like, it wasn't perfect, but she was an interesting and compelling character, as interesting and compelling as she can be in a Hambly novel, with those <laughs> walls of text being stared at. But that, that was her best book. We both were not a fan of her in Darksaber. Primarily, it felt like because so much time had passed, and yet nothing had seemed to change for Luke and Callista. Like, She's just not finding about his origin, for example. Not only that, but it, it feels a lot like they haven't really... She hasn't been pushing in the meantime to like find out a solve for her new life. Until just now in this book. It's yeah. been months since Children of the Jedi. Yeah, it just... It wasn't great. The whole dark side thing was... I'll give Anderson Kripper try to do something different and interesting with that. But the execution was... And the idea itself is oh my god, crazy. it still plagues me. I I, guess I I like they try to do something different with the force, but it doesn't feel like it works. It feels like he's turned the force into oh man, the uh, power. Yeah, I'm trying to remember this the names for each side. I think it's Satan and Sadar. Mm-hmm. It feels it feels like that, and the force is not the one power. No, like it's not divide. In my opinion, I don't know, some people in the 90s had a different idea, but in All my I opinion, the, the force the, is not divided. The author of the next book agrees with you. Oh, good. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> sometimes I feel like, this is not at all the correct usage of the term, but sometimes I feel like authors from this era are gaslighting me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so crazy when I read their stuff. <laughs> they have the, tr- the usual trilogy. They had the holiday special. They had the Ewok show and the droid show. That's all they had. And most of them had not seen the holiday special or the Ewok or droid cartoon. And I guess, you know, I have no idea what kind of wackadoodle extrapolations I would have created from just that material. I was never in that situation. 
but I just don't get that from specifically the original trilogy. <laughs> and then she was kind of in Planet of Twilight, but Callista was an no. afterthought in that book. Yeah, she was like a she was a plot device. She was not a character. Yeah. So her best book was on the Jedi, and then which was worse, the Dark Saber Planet of Twilight. Bad for different reasons. Yeah. So Hamley writes are the best and potentially the worst, and Anderson decides you're bad. Yeah. <laughs> Anderson doesn't write anybody to their full potential, so that's not surprising. Wedge, who was Starfighter Adamar. We saw him in the Jedi Academy trilogy and Darksaber. Blech. We also saw him briefly in iJedi. Just reminds me of how much Stackpole and I agree about shipping things. And also, <laughs> uh, Drifta, he was in the Dark Empire series. But as a pretty just... A character's there to be... Kind of like Akbar in Return of the Jedi. He's there to be named and yeah. issue a few orders, but isn't really part of the story. Just kind of... He's a known name and known face, which is why he was there. And I'm glad he was there. He should be there. Yeah. I mean, Olsen wrote Wedge the best, let's be honest. Of course. Anderson but, writes him horribly. <laughs> yeah. The worst Wedge book for me was Darksaber. Because of how dismissive he was of Queen. And he, it's such a brief appearance, too. Yeah. Whereas at least in Jedi Cambridge, where I have issues with the romance, at least he was trying to help Queen and was never, like, just dismissive of her ideas or her claims. That just really bothered me so much in Darksaber. <laughs> this is another circumstance where, like, I had a certain set of information going into the Jedi Academy trilogy because I, for all intents and purposes, I read the X-Wing books first. Mm-hmm. And so, and the Wraith books. And so I already had... You had Witch in your head. Yeah, like I had Wedge Ayala in my head also. And so as soon as this weird, like... Alien? I was going to tack on an adjective to the front of Alien. She reminds me of a certain portrayal of women in certain JRPGs. Like sometimes that's her attitude. The kind of like distractible... Almost childlike? Childlike. I do feel like there at least was a reason for that. First because she was so sheltered and then second with kept destroying her memory there's just a different way to portray it that isn't so disgusting to me <laughs> fair enough <laughs> so yeah alston did wedge yes yeah. and he, he was in i but it was a pretty small role but he, he was only there so that stackpole could register his disapproval yeah i think so that was the only reason and you know what i applaud him for that <laughs> <laughs> and while you brought her up we we see her of course in the jedi Cabot trilogy we see her in Darksaber, and then we see her in Starfires of Audemar. For one scene, and yet she's better there. Yeah, I have to agree. She is... Taking... I guess I should say she's okay before she loses her memory. Yeah. So, like, Anderson did okay with her, but his decision to have her lose her memory makes me go, thumbs down. <laughs> yeah. She was fine in Jedi Church before things went bad in Dark Apprentice, but I think the conversation is in Audemar, because she's taking control of her life in a way that even before she lost her memory, she just wasn't. Yeah. Which, that wasn't her fault necessarily. That was just the story of how she was trapped and imprisoned and this was her life. Like, I get and like, it. she experienced this horrible trauma and all of this stuff, but there there is an extent to which you think, lady, you've been here for ten years and you haven't thought, you with your big brain have not thought about the dangerous applications of the things that you're creating. Or that you might be being lied to by someone else around here. You ever have to look deeper. Yeah. And then the final one that I can think of that was really, not to say prominent, but written by multiple authors was Dala. Mm-hmm. Discussed her in Children of the Jedi. Sorry, it discussed her in uh, Jedi Camera Trilogy. Discussed her in Dark Saber. We do see her in Planet of Twilight. That's true. I think the award has to go to Anderson. It does. I know there's nothing <laughs> wrong with how she writes Dala in Planet of Twilight. It's just such a small. Oh, it's so small role. and it's so weird. If not for the romance angle, I would be perfectly fine with it. I think it would fit if it's really well with what Anderson did in Darksaber. It or... didn't fit with that for me. No? No. Oh, that's right. You thought she was going to stay with Paleon. She said she'd take his orders. These are very clearly not his orders. Uh, she, she did say that, but her then choosing to retire soon after isn't shocking to me. It just didn't make sense to me. To me, there are. It doesn't make sense to bring that character back for this reason. Okay. And yeah, the romance is nonsense. They should have Legius, right? Yeah. Have him talk to Luke about all that stuff. Fine. Don't have him be involved with Dala. And it would bother me less. It could be any person. Yeah. That person doesn't even have to show up. Exactly. (laughs) 
I've thought of one other person. Oh. Mara. Yes. So I'm going to give that to Stackpole. Yeah. He wrote her fantastically in Jedi. Yeah. And I don't like the way that Anderson wrote her. But Hambly, we do see her briefly in Children of the Jedi. Oh, gosh, we do. It's so brief, though. It's, I think, even less than Wedge and I Jedi. That was the one, though, that I it really annoyed me because that's the one where Mara acts like she's never heard of another Emperor's hand. Yes. She has her whole little breakdown about, like, not a breakdown. She calls she him has, a snake. She has her rage fit <laughs> about there being other Emperor's hands. And I found that so unrealistic yeah. for her. So, yeah, Anderson and Hambly, once again... Doing the devil's dance in the basement together for their poor characterization. And there's actually one more one more character we should mention. There's a few more characters we could mention, but one more we should, and that's Chewbacca. I hate to say this. Chewbacca doesn't often register as a character in these Especially stories. Especially in the books. He's easier to notice in the movies because he's there and so present, whereas in the book, if you're not talking about the Wookiee in the room, it's hard to re- remember there's a Wookiee in the room. Yeah. Like, he's always around. Yeah. I actually think he was... Crystal Star was one of the more interesting ones for him because yeah. of the guilt he felt over losing the children, even though he was blasted so badly. Yeah, but otherwise, I, I just didn't feel like... I mean, obviously, he's on Kessel with Han in Jedi Search, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It never feels... I, I feel like writers kind of manage him as this like extension of Han. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And so he never has his own like goals and motivations necessarily because his whole thing is his life debt. Protect the hall and protect Leia, not protect the children. I would love to see what that looks like when it suddenly conflicts with something that matters a lot to Chewbacca, but like I don't know if I'm ever gonna get that. Sometimes there's just not room. Like not everybody can be a main character. Yeah. And you know speaking of extensions, you know, R2 and 3PO are extensions not just of Luke and Leia, but of whoever the story needs them to be yeah. with at the time. They fill whatever role. <laughs> so where do you think the EU goes from here? Is there an end to the Galactic Empire? Or at least an end to the conflict with it? I mean, at this point, I guess I wouldn't bet on it. Which one? That there being an end to the Empire. Okay. Even though there was a story called Empire's End. It's really weird how that was a lie. Clickbait. <laughs> I, I'm like, at this point, I'm afraid we're going to be like hip deep in Yuzan Vong stuff and the Empire is still occasionally going to be popping up like, hey, deal with us instead. Like, if that happens, I will be suffering from such cognitive dissonance. <laughs> I mean, I already know, I feel, or I feel like I know that sometime this year we're getting to the Hand of Thrawn duology. And I feel like just in the name, like, you know that there's some Empire stuff in there. Because Thrawn was Imperial. Yes, it's true. And I don't, like, I know I read these books. I have no memory of them. So I'm not really sure what the hand of Thrawn refers but to. But Thrawn was not just Imperial. He was other things, too. That's true. Wow. If we got into that in those books, I'd be really interested. I don't know where they go next. I, I need them to have a conflict that I care about, though. Okay. Well, just as a brief... Are you excited to read the next phase? How yes. how bad is year three going to be for me? So, we're going to start out year three with the Black Fleet Crisis. Okay. And that's different from that other spooky fleet. Which spooky fleet? The ghost fleet that Thrawn found. Oh, the um, Katana fleet. Yeah. That's Dark Force. Okay, so you're telling me the Dark Force and the Black Fleet are different? Very. Okay. Somebody needs to help them with their marketing <laughs> and their naming. This is Star Wars. We're that person is not me because I also have a hard time coming up with names for stuff. But uh, this is this is kindergarten stuff, guys. We'll get to the new rebellion. We'll get to the Corellian trilogy. Wait, why does there have to be a new rebellion? I don't know. Oh my god, we're never gonna get out of the Empire stuff. And then we're gonna get to the Hand of Thrawn duology, which. I see in your notes here, one of them is the longest Star Wars book. <laughs> yes, per, I think it was published Hidalgo tweet about this a while ago. Per word count, Vision of the Future is the longest Star Wars book, period. Do you remember what the word count was? I don't. I'd have to look it up. Um, but page count, it's over 700. What's well, 700 times 250? A lot. Uh, 175,000-ish. Okay. Because roughly, a printed page is usually 250 words. 
200,000 word Star Wars. And then after that, there's a we might keep going forward in the timeline, or we might play a little bit of time travel, but we'll figure that out when we get there. Okay. <laughs> Crystal's silent, staring intently at the spreadsheet. <laughs> what does it mean? I never look at the spreadsheet because it intimidates me. <laughs> Me intimidated by a spreadsheet. Such <laughs> a thing. Such a thing has never happened before Tell this podcast. About this, Do they know you're I have. I think I have told them that you're intimidated by it. Have yeah, those words. I don't think I am. You should tell them. Some you meets. <laughs> okay. Just to get their reaction. Yeah, it would upset them. <laughs> it would change how they see me. I love a spreadsheet, but I mean, for reference, the reason why this spreadsheet intimidates me is because Tom has, like, all of our episodes planned out through, like, something like 2029. Good for And I have a hard time dealing with concepts of the future. Like, I have a hard time imagining it's the year 2029. I'm almost 40. And I'm still recording this. I am in my 40s. I'm still recording this Star Wars podcast. And we will be. <laughs> it's just hard it's hard to imagine that something in my life is so set in stone for so many years (laughs) anyway well so you think it's going to be better for me if only because of the hand of thrawn duology yes okay so i just gotta make it to like november when i'm reading that october ish maybe probably summer honestly summer maybe oh gosh for the Black Fleet Crisis, I don't think that's top tier Star Wars storytelling, but I think it's got some interesting ideas in there. I've always really enjoyed the Corellian trilogy. At that point, the kids are old enough to be kind of like in uh, Crystal Star, much more major characters in that series. So I've really liked that. Um, except they're at that point, Jason and Jenny are like eight, nine, ten, maybe. So like they are even much more so than Crystal Star, fully fledged characters doing things in their own right. I wonder if somewhere in here I'm ever going to find the mental... (laughs) I bet the scene doesn't even exist and I've fully made it up. I wonder if somewhere in here I'm ever going to find the starting scene of a book that I remember so clearly from my childhood and I have not been able to locate which book it was. Can you describe it to me? I've described it to you before and you have not been able to place it. Okay. It's like, I don't know if it's the opening scene, but it's early in the book. One of Leia, Luke, or Han, I think it's Luke, is approaching like a landing pad. Maybe Jason and Jaina are getting off of a ship. Maybe it's the Millennium Falcon. I described this as being so clear in my mind, and clearly I don't remember very many (laughs) details. This is why I haven't been able to find it. But like, I remember one of those characters thinking to themselves how exactly Jason and Jaina look like Han and Leia. I don't remember anything else. I could feel that being maybe the Carillion trilogy. I could also see that being the Junior Jedi Knight series with Jason and Jane as well. I don't think I ever read any of those. Okay. I feel like I've just manifested this scene. I have no idea why I am so sure that I remember it. but Maybe we'll come across it soon. This maybe. Year. I don't think we've come across I really expected to see it in... I'm trying to remember. Maybe like in or around the Thrawn trilogy. I was really expecting to see it. But they were too young for that then. Yeah, they were. I don't know. I mean, you read, maybe it's the Hand of Thrawn trilogy, because you, you did read that, right, you said? Yeah, I owned them. So it could maybe it's in there. And I think at the time that we reread the Thrawn trilogy, I was saying, like, maybe some of the stuff that I thought I remembered from that trilogy is actually in the Hand of Thrawn duology. Mm-hmm. So that could be where it is. I mean, it seems like they would be closer to the right age at that point. Though I would have thought that they were kind of at the right age for it in Crystal Star actually About five or six yeah i don't know maybe we'll find it maybe we won't maybe i'm gaslighting myself i don't know <laughs> i hope not again not correct use of the term gaslighting don't get it twisted <laughs> are you looking forward to the next phase absolutely but you're always look like i said earlier two sticks and a hoop and a dog <laughs> you're fine <laughs> for hours <laughs> i mean i think the hand of thrawn duology is fantastic i really do I mean, that's not surprising. I, I've said many times, Zahn is my favorite Star Wars author. Whether it is EU slash Legends or Disney, I have never read a bad Zahn book. I've read some that aren't as good. Yeah, you haven't loved the Thrawn Ascendancy. I did. I loved the second two. The first one I struggled with. Okay. I still really enjoyed it, but that, that's a hard one to get through. It's very, very dense. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of apostrophes. 
<laughs> you got to be in a certain mood to read a Zahn sci-fi book. You do. But I, I, I really love the his, the second two in that trilogy. I think maybe like, was it Honor Among Thieves? Was that, did he write that one? Scoundrels. Scoundrels, thank you. That that might be my least favorite of his, and that's still a, a good, fun book, you know? Yeah, the thing that confused me the most in that book was that Han and Lando are, like, hanging out. Yeah, that didn't match up so well after the uh, Han Solo trilogy. <laughs> no. But whatever, how it goes. <laughs> no one cared about continuity. Not even Zod. <laughs> Everybody was just trying to get their hand on the most interesting ball in the ball pit. Yep. And no one knew where that ball was, so they were all just kind of slapping each other out of the way the entire time. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've actually already read the first book in the Black Fleet Crisis, and I, I enjoyed that book. It's never been one of my favorites, but there are certain aspects that I find really interesting. <sighs> I might be starting that tonight, if I can drag myself out of the Animorphs hole that I've fallen <laughs> into. I've been kind of avoiding it, because I've been in a little bit of a Star Wars slump. I, I think understandably. It's been a tough year, I'm sorry. And then, like, I replayed Fallen Order very recently to prepare for Jedi Survivor. And then that got delayed. And then that got delayed, which made me angry. <laughs> but we got Battle Scar Street before then. Oh, shoot, that's coming out, like, tomorrow. Yep, it's out tomorrow. Uh, so I shouldn't start this book tonight. <laughs> I think you should start it tonight. It's 300 pages. Not very long. Well, it's as long... <laughs> Much like with Hyperspace... It's as long as my attention span can make it long. Like, if it's not grabbing me, it'll be the longest book in the world. We'll see. It's not a handy book, is what I will say. Okay. I'll read it soon, obviously, because we got to record that next. This weekend? Okay. We don't have Pathfinder, so... Yeah, we should. Ah, God, i got to read it. i got to start it tonight. You're right. Sorry. It's okay. That was great to look forward to after it to motivate you. We really got to make all use of all of the weekends where I don't have to DM because yeah. um, on those weekends I am fried. So that concludes our second anniversary. Happy anniversary, honey! Two years of our podcast. Can you believe it? We've done it. I was about to try to calculate how many years of our relationship proportionally have we done the podcast. <laughs> It's this, you know, it's a surprisingly high percentage. Yeah. <laughs> Not like so high. We've been together for over 11 years. <laughs> Next up, we'll be returning to Tales from Draw's Palace and reading A Time to Mourn, A Time to Dance, Ula's Tale. Oh, uh, you said this was sad. Well, it's Ula's Tale. Yeah. Of course it's sad. Yeah. She, we know she dies. Oh, it's written by Kathy Tires. Yeah, written by, written by Kathy Tires. Before that, coming out on April 16th. And then... On May 7th, Before the Storm, book one of the Black Fleet Crisis. Okay. Thanks to Thomas for editing. And thanks for yourself for this crazy idea. You should thank me a few more times. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because it's been a hard year. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you can email us at tk331podcast at gmail.com if you are interested in sharing your likes, dislikes, and bafflements from the past year of our podcasting. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at TK331Podcast. You should share an episode of this podcast that you like with a friend or a family member, and you should definitely leave us a rating and or review. Let's just say and. Rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast reviewing platform of your choice. Allegedly, Spotify does it. Uh, you figure it out, because I don't <laughs> know. I haven't bothered to look. <laughs> and, um, you know... Just mix up the lemon and lime stands at your local Trader Joe's so that one of them spells out TK331. Free advertising. I'm sure the people at Trader Joe's would love it. They are super wacky and cool. (laughs) And you can look for us in a special guest appearance on the Star Wars Legends Lounge podcast coming very soon. Thanks for hanging with us for the last two years. Here's to one more.